Today, we focus on one of the most distinctive days on the Christian calendar. And every one of these questions that I'm about to answer, I've received from someone over the years. We will look at the name, the history, how widespread it is, and if it has any sort of biblical origin, all on the way to answering the question. Ooh, we can't do that this time, can we? Because we have 10 questions. How exciting is that? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Could I have the first question, please? What is Ash Wednesday? That makes sense. Let's start at the beginning. What is Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent. Lent is the Christian season containing 40 days of preparation leading up to Easter, and Ash Wednesday is the very first day of this season, and it is so observed with some specific and unique rituals. Interesting fact for you now, in general, many Christian holidays are celebrated. In other words, we talk about celebrating Christmas or celebrating Easter, but given the nature of Ash Wednesday— and also Lent, we generally do not use the word celebrate, but instead we use the word observe. So in this episode, I will answer basic questions about how Ash Wednesday is and has been observed. And the next question. Do all Christians do Ash Wednesday? Yeah, that's a good question. How widespread is Ash Wednesday across Christendom? Do all Christians observe it? Well, the short answer is no. But interestingly, it has become increasingly popular fairly recently, the last couple of decades. But even then, it's only observed in the Western Christian Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Russian Orthodox Church do not have Ash Wednesday. Also, as Christianity goes, it's not a particularly old holiday. It was not observed in the earliest church and really only came into existence after about the 11th century. It's tended to be more common in liturgical churches, so liturgical church meaning ritualized worship. So think of churches like the Episcopal Church, the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church. Having said that, it has grown in popularity within traditions where it used to be largely unknown, such as the Presbyterian Church, Methodist, even Baptist. It is generally believed that it derives its origin from the book of Daniel, the ninth chapter. I know the vast majority of you right now are thinking to yourself, Ah, yes, the old ninth chapter of Daniel. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well, I'll read the passage for you now, and I think it will be easy to hear the roots, the origins for Ash Wednesday. Then I turned to the Lord God to seek an answer by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, Ah, Lord, great and awesome God, keeping your covenant and steadfast love with those who love you and keep your commandments, we have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Okay, question number three. Why is it called Ash Wednesday? Because of the book of Daniel, there was an association of repentance and ashes. Since Ash Wednesday was the beginning of our season of Lent, a season of repentance, it made sense to observe it with the marking of ourselves with ashes. 
What does that look like? That's a great question. If you've never stepped foot inside a church that is observing Ash Wednesday, then you don't know whether or not people are throwing ashes up in the air and covering themselves. What does that look like? Okay, generally, there's not a mandatory prescribed way to do this. But most churches that I know of and that I've been a part of follow a pretty similar form. Ashes have been ground into a fine powder, put in a bowl, and normally it's the minister who goes from person to person and marks each person on the forehead with the ashes. Most frequently, the minister will use the ashes to draw a cross on the forehead of the person, but some clergy just make a smudge mark with their thumb. The traditional way of doing it, at least as far as I know, is making the sign of the cross, but there are, as I said, clergy who are concerned that the cross is really associated with Good Friday. So if we're making the sign of the cross on Ash Wednesday, we're really mixing our observances and that we ought to save the cross till the very end when we are observing Good Friday. While I don't disagree with this, since the cross is so traditional and has been used for so long in the church, I have found that if you start doing something else, people get bothered and upset because they're accustomed to seeing each other's foreheads marked with the sign of the cross, not just a smudge. So mostly, I have stuck with using the sign of the cross simply because it's what people expect on Ash Wednesday. Do I have to wear the ashes all day? This is a really common question, particularly for people who come to Ash Wednesday for the very first time, because they get the ashes, they're excited about it, and all of a sudden they're walking out of church and they're thinking, oh my goodness, am I allowed to wash these off? Do I have to wear them forever? What's the ritual? What's expected of me? I don't want to mess this up. This has been a matter, actually, of great debate within churches that I have served in. There are two schools of thought. Some choose to wear them as a sign of humility. They don't wipe them off after the service because doing so would simply be a way to make their life a little easier, a little less embarrassing by not having to answer questions or have people go, hey, you've got a smudge on your forehead throughout the day. The other point of view looks at the Gospel of Matthew 6th chapter for guidance. The 6th chapter of Matthew says, When you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, in terms of wash them off or don't wash them off, I've done both, and I really don't think one is necessarily inherently better than the other. When I've worn ashes out into public, it hasn't been as embarrassing as I would have thought. It's often sparked some interesting questions by people who've never heard of Ash Wednesday and want to know more about it. On the other hand, if you're wearing them because you want to show your piety to the world, if you're wearing them because you want everyone to know that you're just a little more faithful than they are, if you're wearing them because you are feeling particularly holy with those ashes on your head, then the better option is to wash them off because this is a day of humility, not showing off. The most recent church where I served would have multiple services, so I washed them off after every service really as a practical thing because I would go back into the next service and receive them again with the congregation who had shown up for that service. So it was a practical decision rather than a spiritual one.
Where do the ashes come from? Yeah, I have gotten this one a lot over the years, too. I have people ask me, are these just ashes you collected from your fireplace? Where do they come from? Well, traditionally, Palm Sunday is the day Jesus arrives in Jerusalem to great fanfare and celebration. Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday to Jerusalem to kind of his own ticker tape parade. I didn't ask about Palm Sunday. I asked about the ashes. I'm getting there. I promise. The story in the Bible says that people paved Jesus's way into Jerusalem by covering the road with either their cloaks or taking palm fronds from the trees around them. So the celebration of Palm Sunday in many churches is done by waving real palms. By tradition, these palms are saved, burned, and their ashes are used the next year for Ash Wednesday. Now, just to put the calendar in perspective, Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent. Palm Sunday is towards the very end of Lent. And so we can't use in the same year the palms from Palm Sunday because it happens after Ash Wednesday. So you'd have to hold them for a whole year. And I say by tradition because many churches that have a Palm Sunday celebration with real palms discover that their people like to take their palms home with them. So very often those churches purchase their ashes from a monastery, a convent, another church, which really has kind of an ongoing business of blessing palms on Palm Sunday, burning them, and then providing them later on in the year to churches for Ash Wednesday. Are there special words said as people get their ashes? Again, there's not anything that's prescribed that you have to do it this way, but pretty much everywhere I've ever been, a minister says the same words, and pretty much any church I've ever known of says these same words during the imposition of ashes on your forehead. And the words are, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Those are a real downer. Where do they come from? Yeah, yeah well, actually, they're a quote from Scripture. Genesis 3, specifically. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, I want to say, on a personal note, those words I heard every single Ash Wednesday of my life growing up. I grew up in the church, went to Ash Wednesday services every single year, but the full weight of them did not strike me until the year we had our first child and my wife, Sarah, came forward on Ash Wednesday with our son, Daniel, in her arms. I first gave Sarah her ashes and then I was struck by the full meaning of these words as I'd never paid attention to them before as I made the sign of the cross in ash on our infant's head and I said, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Are there other traditions aside from the ashes? In some churches, they receive communion as well as the ashes on Ash Sunday. Normally they do the ashes first and then later on in the service they would have communion. But that's not really a part of the Ash Wednesday service, obviously, because we do that all the time in the church for all sorts of services. So something that's a little more tied to Ash Wednesday specifically, yes, there is another tradition that has often been observed on Ash Wednesday, and that is fasting. I should say a couple of things about fasting. In every church I've served in, it's really only a small percentage of the congregants that fast in any form on Ash Wednesday. But since the passage from Daniel spoke of repentance through wearing sackcloth, 
repentance through fasting and repentance through ashes, these two, ashes and fasting, are often linked, if not always universally observed. Interestingly, if sackcloth was ever in favor for the observance of Ash Wednesday, I'm not aware of it. Also, it is funny because in our society, various forms of fasting, like intermittent fasting, have grown recently. But the religious fasting that has historically been done in the church by some people has greatly diminished for whatever reason. I personally fast two days a year. I fast on Ash Wednesday and I fast on Good Friday. And that fasting for me normally takes the form of not eating from dinner the previous day until dinner on the fast day. So it normally turns out to be about 24 hours of not eating. And normally for me, I limit myself to only drinking water. Let me say this about fasting because I've gotten many questions about it over the years. There are people who should not fast, obviously, women who are pregnant, people with diabetes, people who take medication that requires them to have food in their system, and a number of other reasons that you can think of. The point is not exclusively that you refrain from eating, but can also be that you can fast by abstaining from other things. Instead of limiting your food, you could limit the type of liquid you consume. You could Only drink water on Ash Wednesday. You could go vegetarian for a day. The idea is to pick something out of your norm that causes you to think about this lifestyle change and then hopefully turn your thoughts towards God. You could decide on Ash Wednesday that instead of fasting, you're going to use public transit rather than driving your car on what errands you have to do. And it would be a way of changing your lifestyle that keeps you kind of self-aware that this is a special day and a special time. And it's time for the final question. Question number 10. Could I have it, please? Do I have to go to church or even be a Christian? This is an interesting question because more than any other service that we used to do in the churches where I have served, Ash Wednesday tends to be a service that attracts people, sometimes who have no church background, who aren't even interested necessarily in being a Christian, but find they are drawn by this unusual ritual of being marked with ashes and having these words from Genesis spoken to you. In short, no, there's no requirement of any kind to participate in this service. Matter of fact, even churches that restrict the sacrament to only their own members— most often those churches will allow you to receive the ashes because it's not considered a sacrament. There are even a growing number of churches who have what's known as drive-by ashes. They will allow people to come and receive the imposition of ashes without even attending church, sometimes without even getting out of their car. I've been a part of churches that do this, and it's clear that some recipients really have no understanding of what they're doing at the moment. They are just receiving the ashes on a whim. Now, is that a bad thing? No, I actually think it's a good thing. I know there are people, but they might not join or convert to Christianity if they know nothing about this. My hope is not so much that they convert, but that this experience motivates them to learn. I have had non-Christians who participate in the Ash Wednesday receiving of ashes who speak of how powerful and humbling it is to have someone mark them with the ashes and say those words. Remember that you are dust, 
and to dust you shall return. Today's podcast has been really intended to be educational. In my mind, I was really targeting three groups at once. First, perhaps you are a Christian who has observed Ash Wednesday all of your life. Then I hope you learned something today. The second group contains people who don't think of themselves as Christian or church people, but who are maybe intrigued by this particular day of ritual known as Ash Wednesday. I hope I've given you enough information to make you comfortable enough to go check it out. Finally, are the people who aren't the slightest bit interested in attending Ash Wednesday whatsoever, but were just curious as to what this was all about. Well, I hope you found this interesting and helpful. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is dan at skypilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T, dan at skypilot.zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.